The motivation for women's fitness has been centered around beauty, improving your appearance, and my favorite, being more attractive to men. Is there a more noble pursuit I know. <laughs> than spending your time on this earth aiming to become more attractive to the opposite sex. Exactly. That's even if you are attracted to the opposite sex, but you still need to look good for them because how dare you not? It's Women Like You, the podcast for women who hate working out but know they should. I'm Sarah. I'm a GP and I work in fertility and women's health. And I'm Gab. I'm an audio producer and journalist. We acknowledge the traditional owners of the land we're on today and pay our respects to the elders past and present. Now, how did women become so obsessed with weight loss? Sarah, I won't speak for you. I'm fairly confident of the answer, though. But I will say that for most of my life, I think a lot of my sense of self has been around how I look and how fat or skinny I might be at any one time. Um, And so... Yeah, I guess today we wanted to actually have a look at why and how women became so obsessed with weight loss. Uh, Which is just fascinating. I just, this is, it's fascinating, it's disturbing, it's frustrating, but it's, yeah, look, nonetheless, this is just some absolutely amazing stuff that we're going to chat about today about kind of the history of why it is that we are the way we are. Yes, the evolution of women's fitness. So strap yourselves in. This will be a very ranty episode. But before we get to that... <laughs> <Who> us? <laughs> it's, it's, it's unusual for us to have an opinion about so, these things. So. <laughs> uh, before we get to that, though, uh, mountain life update, please. You have moved to the mountains, baby. Yes, yes, I have. I moved up to the Blue Mountains about two weeks ago now. So I am officially... A, uh, a mountain goer living Woo! up in the Blue Mountains, uh, up west of Sydney. Um, I, I timed it beautifully. The move coincided with our next major rain event. And uh, so it was just, oh, God, it was torrential for the first week, which makes moving challenging. But look, ultimately, we're now living in a little cottage on the edge of the National Park. So there will be plenty of hikes and trails in my future. Not so much yeah. yet because the weather has been pretty shit. Um, but, you know, that's meant that there's been you know, more open fires and mulled wine and I'm not sad about that. Um, <laughs> I started back at work this week, so I've been working from home with my little dog riding shotgun in his bed beside me, um, providing telehealth to my existing fertility patients. And honestly, it has just been a dream come true. Happiness, happiness. Happiness. Yes. I mean, this makes literally I have the biggest smile on my face as I listen to you describe this. I mean, obviously, I've been kept updated on, on everything as you've made, <laughs> made the move up there, for which I'm very, very I grateful. I can't wait to have you up. can't <laughs> wait to have you up. I'm excited to be there. I mean, if it ever stops raining, I guess, is, yeah. is the... Is the is the question. Um, yes. But you know, it's a uh, it's a nippy 6 degrees here at the moment. Um, and I'm and I'm not joking when I say that I'm currently wearing two pairs of thermal pants underneath two. my pants. Two thermal tops underneath my top and a cardigan and a beanie. <laughs> And a beanie. I need a photo. I need a photo of this, please. <laughs> we'll do. We'll do. Oh, that's so good. I'm so glad. And I can't wait to get up there and, um, you know, go on some of these beautiful walks with you. I know that that's yes. obviously you and I are, are um, big advocates for walking, uh, for fitness, for mental health, for, for a whole range of things, just for, for sunshine, for getting outdoors. Yeah. And, um, it's a beautiful part of the world. And, you know, the, 
There is a reason why we do an acknowledgement of country at the start of every episode. It's because obviously we're very grateful to be in such a beautiful country with such beautiful landscapes. And yeah, I can't wait to kind of get outdoors with you and discover a new part of the yep. this beautiful country I haven't seen before. It is literally breathtaking. Yes. I can't I can't can't even begin to explain how beautiful it is. Even when you're just popping up to the shops to grab some milk and bread or whatnot, you kind of you know, you might be in your car, you turn around and just like, holy crap, look at that vista. You know, this is not your usual, well, not my usual trip to Coles or Woolies. Yeah, I was going to say. Oh, it's very different, very different landscapes. Um, awesome. Well, look, I can't wait for, there will be many mountain adventures. I can't wait for constant updates and uh, new discoveries as you find new walking trails and, you know, discover new things and, you know, get back into get back into walking, you know, hopefully yes. once the weather comes down yep. and you can kind of build that build that fitness back up again. I mean, it's going to be uh, there's going to be a lot more ups and downs in your walks then. Oh man, yeah. Well, I went for I just went for a short walk the other day. It was like literally just from uh from Lura to Katoomba. This wasn't a hike. This was just walking just a walk. street street walking. Um at street walking. <laughs> <laughs> you yes. moved to the mountains and new career you, path. <laughs> you got to find you got to find money where you can. Um <laughs> I was walking to Katoomba. It was four point four Ks. But when I had a look at the um when I had a look at the walk on my Garmin app afterwards, it was the equivalent of I think hundred and sixty eight meters <laughs> elevation or fifty six fifty six flights, flights of stairs. Of, of stairs. <laughs> um because my little watch does that, you know, it gives you a yeah, you did your ten flights yes, of stairs yeah. today. Woohoo. And yeah, I got to <laughs> got to Katoomba and I was like Fifty six flights in four point four k. So you've done your you've done up. your week's worth of flights of stairs in one day. And my my thighs I the bet. next day. Whoa. Good <laughs> stuff. Good little stuff. shaky as you sat down on the toilet. Indeed, <laughs> sat down on the walls. very bloody cold toilet seat too. Um, <laughs> mountain life, <laughs> mountain life, baby. I love it. Many more adventures to come. Um, Indeed. Well, that's the positive out of the way. Let's get to the negative. No. <laughs> I um I read this article the other day. Look, it's in Harper's Bazaar. Uh, I believe it's it's a couple of years old now, actually, um, that they've rehashed and kind of published online. So originally, I think it would have been published in one of their magazines. It is a US um, article, so a lot of their examples and everything are based on kind of US history. But I think you know Australia mar- um, you know mirrors a lot of that. Yeah, um, and certainly I found a lot in it that I was like, huh. Yes. Well, I can see how that's uh, impacted our lives and the way we think about ourselves and and our weight and this constant desire to be smaller and thinner. Mm -hmm. Um, So the article's called How Women Became Obsessed with Weight Loss and Working Out. And literally that headline caught me straight away and I was like, how did we become? (laughs) Because let's be honest, we are. Whether it's it's working out, you know, and, and for exercise sloths, obviously, we're not very good at working out consistently, but we're still <laughs> but we're still thinking about it all the time. We're still obsessed with yeah. it, and we're still kind of feeling shame and guilt if we don't. I was do going to say, just feeling like I'm never doing enough, and that yeah. I'm not, you know, not uh, I'm not as obsessed as I should be. Yes, and then of course the weight loss aspect of this, you know, it's just a constant thing in in women's lives to think about their weight and to think about being smaller. Any time that you've gone into a store to try something on, and you'll be one size in one store, and then you'll be three sizes bigger in a different store, and you know, it's just like, ha, ha, like what? <laughs> 
how could I have oh, yeah. put on 15 kilos in the space of 20 steps? You haven't. Yeah. It's just how on earth <laughs> I can be a size eight or a size 18. I'm not, <laughs> not even exaggerating those numbers. I, I own clothes with in between all of those sizes, it's it's nuts. It is. I mean, a total sidebar conversation. I would love to start a, a women's clothing um, brand where we only use things like apples and oranges and watermelons or whatever for your sizing. Like you just, you just, your size is just a color or just an inanimate object that means nothing rather than a number because I think numbers yes. um, can be so damaging and have been so damaging. Anyway, Ooh. great article. How women became obsessed with weight loss and working out. There's. Um, you know, basically it's just a solid account of some of the key developments in women's fitness in the last hundred years and how we got to this point. Not surprisingly, as we'll point out, the motivation for women's fitness has been centered around beauty, improving your appearance, and my favorite, being more attractive to men. Is there a more noble pursuit I know. <laughs> than spending your time on this earth? Aiming to become more attractive to the opposite sex. Exactly. That's even if you are attracted to the opposite sex, but you still need to look good for them because how dare you not? I mean, (laughs) for fuck's sake, the article even says, quotes that uh, at one point it it was considered unladylike to perspire in public. Don't get your sweat on. I'm not that old. (laughs) I'm not that old, but I absolutely remember being told by my mother not to, you know, not to get too sweaty because sweaty women are gross. So, what? Yeah. Like as a, as a kid, and clearly I didn't need a lot of encouragement to skip PE class and to <laughs> yes. not participate in group sport. Leaned but into it that. Was, <laughs> but there was definitely the implication that, you know, sweaty, sweaty women are not attractive women yes. and that they're, yeah, they're not, you know, it's not the ideal. Yes, and also I think um, uh, big or muscly women uh, oh, are more attractive women. You know, if, if you're working I remember, out. Yeah, it, I remember it, when I first joined a gym and my mum was like, well, you be careful that you don't bulk up. Yes, because <laughs> I used to do a lot of swimming training as a kid. I mean, growing up in Brisbane, it's stinking hot and swimming is a great, you know, thing generally. But, you know, as a kid, I, I did actually enjoy it and I was quite good at it. Uh, but there was always talk about, you know, you're not not swimming too much because I didn't. You don't want to get big shoulders. Big shoulders. That's very masculine. I mean, I very have to masculine. swim like seventy five kilometers a day or something to to kind of <laughs> yeah. have, you know have that kind of impact on my body. But like you know, swimming as as a kid, you know, for forty five minutes in the morning is not uh, is not going to do it. Um, no, but so neither is my half assed <laughs> attempt at the gym once every three months is yeah. probably not going to re- result in me bulking up, bulking up, big buff. Um, so this article goes through the trends by decade. So starting with the 1930s. And look, I know that, you know, we, we've, we've done an episode on Pilates before and how that kind of took off in the 20s uh, by Joseph Pilates. However, that also, that was still something that was uh, not widely known. And it was for the um, purpose of rehabilitating, particularly dancers. So yeah, I was going to say it was quite niche. Yeah, still. it wasn't a society women thing in New York until much later. So in the 30s, women weren't encouraged to exercise for this for their health. It wasn't, you know, widely pushed in the medical community that, that women should be working out, so to speak. Yeah, particularly because it, it was thought that exercise could potentially cause harm to women's fertility, which just made me bloody laugh. 
laugh out loud because of our last episode, which was all about the benefits of exercise when you are planning a pregnancy. But that was one of the reasons why in the 30s it was it was boo-booed. Uh, and also because, you know, that's a sole, that's the sole purpose of women um, is to procreate. Uh, so, you know, don't exercise for your health because you need to be able to um, pop out kids. And, uh, yeah, as, as you said, that's bullshit anyway. Um, so basically in the 30s what happened was there was two businesswomen – I mean, total ballers. Uh, They're also rivals. Elizabeth Arden, who is a name you'll probably be familiar with, and Helena Rubinstein, um, they started building their cosmetics empires. And the way that they did this was by promoting beauty as the goal for all women. Now, I think, you know, growing up, <laughs> all the magazines that we've read in our lives and, and the things, the, the, the media that we've consumed, it's that's that concept is not unusual, you know, to us. Um, they would help you achieve beauty through skincare, cosmetics, gentle fitness, uh, mostly to improve your posture though, all in an attempt to make you more beautiful. That was their whole ethos and that was what they offered only to a certain kind of a smaller group of women who could actually afford it. So this wasn't something that was widely spread. It was only if you were you know, happened to be like a socialite in New York. You yeah. could you could get I'm access to this. Getting very up yeah. east side vibes. <laughs> but interestingly, Helena Rubinstein famous famously once said, "There are no ugly women, only lazy ones." Oh, right, right, right. <laughs> so you know, I mean, Jesus if you've Christ. ever questioned, yeah, your self worth and 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 that you know, wondered whether you're you're good enough, whether you look good enough, whether you're slim enough, it's it's actually not because you're ugly. It's just because you're lazy. So just don't Damn. be lazy. Damn it. <laughs> well, yeah, think, I won't say that things improved. I'll say that things uh, progressed, progressed. <laughs> in, uh, in the 40s and 50s, but not, not in a great way. Uh, this is kind of the era where TV fitness gurus were on the rise. I guess television started to become a mainstay in people's living rooms and women were then encouraged to dedicate some time to exercise. But the language around this was always about staying slim to keep your husband happy. Yes. <laughs> and <laughs> Put uh, down the iron for 10 minutes a day so that you can do this workout to keep your husband happy, but then pick up the iron again because you also oh need to do God. the ironing to keep your husband happy. <laughs> so this, this has had me in stitches researching for this episode. So for, you know, if, if you've got a bit of spare time, I encourage you to Google Debbie Drake. <laughs> Um, for some infuriating images, but also just some utter gold. So she released an album, I think it was in the late 40s, titled Keep Your Husband Happy, Look Slim, Keep Trim, Exercise Along with Debbie Drake. <laughs> and oh my God. So I actually found the album and I found the back, like the back cover of the album. Yeah. I don't know if you've seen any of this, but. No. I, I have to. I have to read you something. I was reading Please. some of this to my husband this morning. We were both in stitches. <laughs> uh, where shall we start? Where shall we start? Uh, do you know that overweight is a threat to the happiest of marriages? The <laughs> obese wife knows that she is a disappointment to her husband. <gasps> it is dangerous to family contentment and security when Mama is the best advertisement for her own calorie burdened cooking. <gasps> it is not enough to be in love with a man. You must know how to express your love in many ways. Men need constant attention oh, and affection. <laughs> it is not enough to say I love you. You must constantly prove it in many ways. <laughs> and one of the best ways to express your love is to keep your body beautiful. <laughs> I'm crying. This was one of my this was one of my favorite. <laughs> this is one of my, oh this there's some great great bits here. Have you have you ever felt subconscious about your thighs? <laughs> so, there is nothing 
more unattractive than fat thighs. I dislike myself when my thighs get a little heavy. At 21, my thighs were my biggest worry and I became desperate to reduce. Men love firm thighs. And if you follow the exercises, you too can have lovelier thighs. Also, that's like the ultimate white privilege. You know, at 21, my biggest concern was I know. my thighs. Oh, my God. <laughs> but my my favourite, as, as someone who has, I have veiny arms. I'm like, if you ever need to take blood or anything like that with me, you can pretty much do it blindfolded. I've got, apparently, I've got big man veins. Um, <laughs> so, hands. A man loves to hold graceful hands. Does he? It's quite often a problem for a woman to keep her hands graceful and attractive with all the housework she must do. <laughs> what is fault this is bit that? down here. Practice a graceful position with hands up, since when you hold your hands down, the veins stand out and make them look ugly. Included in this album are exercises designed especially for the hands. <laughs> it goes on. This is just, it's like, it's pure gold. I'll see if I can, uh, see if I can get a, a, a at least some of it uploaded to oh my Instagram page. God. It is. It is. Wild. Um, yes. Ooh, yes. And wildly infuriating. Again, oh you know. Oh, my God. If you've ever wondered what the impact of the patriarchy is, you know, everything <laughs> in our lives has been put inside the framework of how we are as humans in relation to men. You oh. know, everything. And it's... And it's... And that... <laughs> It, it, it's the most important thing. Yes. I just want that to be the takeaway from today's episode. <laughs> Being attractive to your husband is the most important thing. Oh, my God. I presume getting a husband is probably even more important to the likes of Debbie Drake because, God. Well, that was her heaven, introductory heaven, album. <laughs> heaven, heaven forbid that you're a single woman. A but, spinster, um, as they oh, would say. <laughs> yes. I hate that term. Oh, anyway, so good. But. You and I were both talking about this and how it was just, it reminded us both immediately of The Marvelous Mrs. Maisel. Yes. A, uh, a wonderful TV program, if you haven't already watched it, uh, where Midge, it's, again, this is based in kind of the 40s, 50s, 60s. It, it travels through the decades. But early on, she is trying to be the perfect housewife. And then her husband still leaves her. It doesn't matter. The effort that she it goes doesn't to, matter. it doesn't matter. <laughs> But she's going to these group fitness classes. She's constantly taking tape measurements of her body, keeping track of it in her diary. I was I was laughing about this with my husband this morning. I was pretending that I was doing my doing my thigh measurements <laughs> and my arm measurements and my waist measurements. And it's but it, it it was so pervasive to the way of thinking then. And whilst I'd like to think that that times have changed. I don't think they have. No, I mean, no. I've, I've, I've kept, I've measured myself with a measuring tape. I've done full body measurements like that without even seeing uh, things like that represented in TV from a from a distant time, a bygone era. Like I've, I've done that. It's just yeah. it's wild. Forties <sighs> <sighs> and fifties. Forties and fifties, baby. Well, it did it get any better? Did it get any better in the sixties? <laughs> it did get a little better, only because in the sixties. The term aerobics was first coined uh, by a medical practitioner called Dr. Kenneth Cooper. And at this time, obviously men, but women too, were finally encouraged to sweat. Um, And this was because the science was in. This was science-backed. It's now beneficial to be more physically active. So it does get a little bit better, but at the same time, you know, we're still in this, we're still absolutely in this world of, you know, magazines and television commercials telling women that they need to to now 
do exercise, but to be slimmer. Yeah, um, which is again, which is just again, it's wild when you think that we're you know it's the nineteen sixties where we're embarking on the sexual revolution. Yes, um, women's rights are becoming you know that is a sentence that's said for the first time. Women's yes, rights. Yeah, women's rights. Um, but yeah, still at the heart of it, it's about being smaller. It's about being slimmer. It's about being more petite. Yes. Uh, and but now at least you're allowed to get sweaty in you're pursuit to, of that. Yeah, because now it's yeah scientifically backed. Um, so 1960s is also when the the bar fitness first takes off. Bar barre. Don't know how to pronounce it. You and I have spoken about this. 60s. 60s is yeah. when it first starts to take off. Only again, very niche. It, it wasn't publicly available. So this was developed by a retired German dancer called Lottie Burke. She combined ballet, yoga, and rehabilitative exercises because she had a back injury, and so she developed bar um, as a way to heal. Um, but it was still really only available for very, you know, small and wealthier sections of society. And I would also go as far as to say probably very white um, parts of society as well. Uh, so it starts to take off, but it's it's still, again, very niche. Yeah. Well, it all changed in the 70s, baby. <laughs> yes. The, the sports bra was invented. And, and thank God for that. I know. Although, Although hilarious that like in the 60s we're burning our bras and now in the 70s we're... Are we burn, were we burning bras in the 60s or is that in the 70s? I don't know. Either way, we've got a sports yeah, bra. Yeah. We've, got, we've got one that was probably made of 1970s style Kevlar and quite difficult to burn. Um, but it was, it was kind of marketed as a jock strap for women's breasts. Yep. Which I just like, we can't even have bras. Yes. We have to find a way to explain bras in a context that maybe men would understand. Um, but yeah, so the older the shoulder, boulder holder was, uh, was <laughs> finally finally uh, popularized for sports and then we got some super fun super naff kind of sports and and fitness um trends Fads, that were trends, popularized yeah, yeah. yeah. size. oh yeah i can't say that word without jazz making jazz hands <laughs> jazzercise and kind of the the idea of the group fitness classes and the instructors with the microphones and the leg warmers and the the very you know it was all just it, yep. it it began in the 70s and uh and then i think absolutely it really continued just, <laughs> it took off from there and i think you know it's interesting though with that jazzercise uh trend that's the time when um for the first time pioneers of that were taking it out of like really niche boutique studios and actually doing it in public places or um you know like like local local dance halls and stuff like that actually making it more widespread to the broader community yeah. uh, which is interesting because then as you get into the 80s that's when you know big gyms start to become popular and people are now joining joining a gym um, for the first time also in the 80s it's okay for women to build strength Ta-da, so long as it's beautiful. Like you, you can be bum, strong, bum. <laughs> but you still need to be really skinny. <laughs> you could be you can be strong so long as it's in again in pursuit of of a an ideal that men will find attractive. Exactly. Um and you know, this new beauty ideal, which is just a revised version of the old beauty ideal, you know, you're allowed to be slightly strong, but you know, it still has to be within um, you know, certain confines. Um this new beauty idea also takes lots of hours of work and, and money, you know, like it's not something that was available to everyone. Um, and this is also a time when obviously, and, you know, you'll be very familiar with this, um, the Jane Fonda workouts 
became huge. Um, so this is the time when, yeah, like I remember my mum doing workouts in front of the TV with like those yeah, little yeah, the, ankle weights and yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, that, that's the time. And, and you, yeah, you're kind of, again, working out to kind of get back to your pre-pregnancy body um, at that time as well, which is something that's, yeah, consistent through all of these decades. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I guess the 90s, I don't know if there was any sort of huge changes in the 90s, but it, it felt like things went boutique again. So we kind of started to shift away from the VHS model of home fitness and then back to the to the boutique gymnasiums, um, the women's, like the women's only gymnasiums. Oh, yes. and, uh, yeah. and then the 90s was when yoga went mainstream. So, you know, no longer was yoga just something that, you know, that the – that the yogis and the hippies in the ashrams yeah, yep. and kind of that 60s, 70s vibe of what yoga was, it just became way more mainstream. It became just a typical way that people would get their exercise done. Absolutely. And it, look, you know, I think moving into the 2000s, this is a time obviously that you and I are way more familiar with because we've lived it. Um, that boutique fitness trend absolutely continued. I mean, if you think about all the bar, yoga, CrossFit, you know, spin cycle type um, things that are available now, studios yeah. that are available all over the world. You know, sometimes they're a part of a gym franchise, but other times they're literally just a dedicated small boutique studio, um, which are often expensive. They're quite exclusive. Um, Obviously, there's benefits to them. You know, if if a class is smaller, you might get more one-on-one time with the instructor. But again, it's not necessarily available to everyone. Um, No, no. And and it does. It still feels like this this is far more available to the elite, far more available to the privileged, far more available to white you know, a white population. Mm. Um, this is this is not all inclusive fitness and exercise. No, and look, you know, I think I think about now, and I do think that attitudes are changing towards bo- women's bodies in particular. And you know, there's a lot of counterculture going on, yes, uh, which is good and positive. However, when you think about the decades that this is that have banked up prior to this over the last 100 yeah. years you I was think say it's about 100 it's 100 yeah. years that we need to dismantle it's yeah. not easy it's it's you know it's still even though you know we women are encouraged to look after their fitness look after their physical health and not just for reasons of being more beautiful for your husband or whatever or society or whatever you still yeah as you say you still got to dismantle decades and decades and decades of attitudes um, that we have inherited, you know, and we've been surrounded by this our whole lives. So even though I think things, I do think it's positive, things are getting better, um, there's still a lot to deal with. You know, there's like even now you and I will still do a workout and in the back of our minds we'll be thinking, oh, that's good. I, you know, I had a bowl of ice cream, so this will counteract that yes. or, you know, or, or I'm feeling a bit fat. Now I can have the bowl yeah, of ice cream. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Or feeling a bit fat, you know, I've got to start working out. And, and it's really hard to change your mindset about that and to change your approach to fitness and make it about your physical health and your your longevity um when you've when you've inherited all of this bullshit basically only for a hundred years though. only for a hundred years in a hundred years time who knows where we'll be <laughs> but look some thoughts and reflections on this article i'll put the article in the show notes um most of the female fitness evolution has been centered around fitness to make you look better we know that 
as Sarah mentioned, very white, very privileged scene. I mean, just think about any of the fitness gurus that you've um, had, you know, planted in front of your face um, throughout your entire life. There's, there's not a lot of diversity in that scene. No. Um, thinking about boutique fitness, it's fucking expensive and it's it's very intimidating, you know, like those bar classes that you and I have experienced yep. going to. I don't feel comfortable walking in and everybody else is like a six-foot-tall, slim model with the best activewear money can buy and I'm just this like dumpy unfit thing with you know shitty old sleeping t-shirts and and tights and it's 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 so intimidating and it's not That's accessible it. you it's walk also, straight in you do it 180 and you walk, walk straight out. out or you take a fake phone call and off you go but it's also a little bit cultish you know like you you read like literally just today i was reading an article um about this uh trendy new york um well it's la it started in la and it's also now in new york uh form of boutique pilates called former pilates i think it is um it's for the stars it's for models it's for celebrities um so it's, yeah, absolutely i'm sure we'll be getting an invite it's invite only um and it's insanely expensive it's like $75 a class um, or, you know, $500 for a one-on-one session, um, which, you know, to these people who are multi-millionaires is nothing, but to the everyday person, $75 a class is not an option. Oh, my God, no. And, but, the, but everyone's wearing, like, the merchandise from these these t- these kind of tre- fitness trends, you know, like there'll be spin cycle classes where you can buy all of the merchandise or, you know, all this particular yoga um, boutique studio and you, you've got all the merchandise from it. So, like, you know, it's it then becomes a part of your identity. You're walking down the street letting people know that you belong to this cult. It's kind of strange. <laughs> oh, I'll tell you what, though, from a capitalist perspective, yes! it's bloody brilliant. <laughs> it's brilliant. But for women, I think it's also disempowering. It's There's this great quote at the end of the article. I've got to read it. Um, boutique fitness can offer an escape from the endless stresses of being a woman today, and it clearly gives women who can afford it more choice than ever before when it comes to working out. But like exercise trends of earlier decades, it can also feel like one more requirement of womanhood. After all, the more time women spend in a relentless drive to be fit, the greater the expectations for what a fit body and life looks like. I thought, yes, that nails it. Don't give us just another thing. (laughs) Like we might not be doing all the ironing anymore and cooking all the meals and whatever. Uh, Well, actually, women generally are. But I was going to say, (laughs) they're still carrying the bulk of that burden. Totally. I mean, you know, but it's not in that sense of we're not depicted. No, we are still depicted in advertising as that. And what am I talking about? We haven't changed. But, you know, there there seems to be this idea that we live in a fair and equitable society now and women are equal and yada, yada. yada. It's absolute bullshit. But then you just add, add this. It's now it's just now an extra thing that we have to do I told you I was going to get ranty good good <laughs> I needed I needed more things on my to-do list Gab. that's amazing excellent <sighs> is there any good news in all of this there is there is good news <laughs> I, I saw another article this week that confirmed how amazing walking is for your health and you and I are basically walking zealots uh yes we, we will preach this from the top of the mountain literally Sarah will do this from I the will. top of the mountain from the top <laughs> This article said that walking two and a half hours a week, so that is 21 minutes a day, 21 minutes a day, can decrease your risk of heart disease by 30%. I know we've covered a lot of this and Sarah's covered it brilliantly. Um, This is, uh, but just another reminder, the Harvard Medical School basically went and looked at all the current research 
on this topic and made a conclusion that walking for two and a half hours a week can decrease decrease your risk of heart disease by 30%. So, you know. 30%. Oh, I love that. I love that. It's free. It's accessible to most people. It's easy. Um, you can do it anywhere. You know, fuck off the, the expensive boutique studios and the... That, you know, the apps and everything like that. Just go for a walk, baby. That's all you need. The Women Like You podcast is produced by me, Gab Burke, and music is by Hamish Camilleri. Thank you for listening to our little pod. And you can also subscribe to our weekly newsletter at womenlikeyoupodcast.com. I'm Sarah. And I'm Gab. And our pelvic floor specialist is coming at you very, very soon. We are compiling our list of juicy questions to ask our wonderful pelvic floor physio. So uh, please have a good think about the questions that you would love us to ask, the uh, the taboo things that you were too afraid to ask out loud, and, uh, and we will pick her brain. Yes. We will ask her all of the things that you ever wanted to know about uh, having a healthy pelvic floor. Yes, including, do you need to squeeze your pelvic floor if you're going to sneeze? Like, I can't think of, it's sort of like the patting your head and rubbing your tummy in, in, in a circle thing at the same time. I can't do two things at once sometimes, so. But I saw something somewhere, some random bullshit probably about, you know, conserve your uh, pelvic floor by making sure you squeeze in when you need to sneeze. And I was like, what? And then, but at the same time, it was like, but you need to, you don't push when you need to poo. And I was like, but ha- like, what? <laughs> okay, we'll get the lowdown on uh, on your number ones and number twos. <laughs> uh, that was awesome right. fun. Thank you. Sorry for getting ranty. But um, look, I just think no. it's important to, to look at this stuff and see how it might still be impacting our lives. Absolutely. And I am going to, I just found on the back of this uh, fantastic Debbie Drake <laughs> album, I just found the checklist for keeping your husband happy. And I'm going to upload that to our Instagram the day this episode goes out. There's... 14 excellent tips and uh, and I would have to say that probably one of my favourite is number four. Yeah. Be interested in him and the things he does. <laughs> what? Oh, Debbie, sweet thank Jesus. you for your insight. <laughs> you weirdo. Yeah. Debbie, Debbie Drake, you've done a lot of harm. <laughs> <laughs> we have some thoughts about you, Debbie. Oh, uh, all right. Uh, until then. I love you. Love you too. Bye. Bye. Number one, firm and graceful body. Number two, be at home when he arrives. Number if you must one work. is firm and grateful body. Graceful yep. body. Oh god. Number two, be at home when he arrives. If you must work, try to arrange it so you're home first. Oh, Clothes. If you must sexy work. for your evening home. <laughs> be interested in him. Be a good conversationalist. A bright smile over morning coffee. This paints a good mental picture of you for all day. Nice voice. Keep it soft and musical. Also, a pretty laugh. Excess fat is taboo. Number nine, well-set hair, brushed and clean. Oh, this one's great. Number 10, be mentally alert. In brackets, try reading. (laughs) Try it. Just try it. Just try it. Number 11, pin curls. If they are a must, pin up after the lights are out and wear a bed cap. That's very Maisel. Perfume, just for him when he's home. A regular manicure and a weekly a regular manicure and a weekly pedicure. Oh God. Yeah. Jesus Christ. Because you know, heaven forbid you have normal looking feet. Anyway, oh. I'm gonna go try reading. Yeah. <laughs> Just try it. Just try it, Doctor. Try it. Just try it. Oh, all right. I love you. I'll talk to you soon. I love you too. Bye. See ya,